1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. This is Kimberly at Going in today with Cleopatra Draper. And, you know, we want to talk about something that has a significant impact on our community. This stubborn homicide clearance rate that we're dealing with in the city of Chicago. Joining us on the live line is the FOP Lodge 7 president, John Catanzara. Thank you so much for joining us, John. Good evening, ladies. How are you? Well, Doing very you. well. And we want to thank you so much for discussing this with us. You know, I'm looking at a report that came out last year, um, and it, it's a summary. It's a high-level a high summary review of the Chicago Police Department's homicide investigation process. It has observations and recommendations. But one of the things that it has shown is that in years such as 2016, only 29% of the homicide cases were cleared. That number went up just a l- slightly a little bit more um, in 2017. The number of homicides went down, but the clearance rate, of course, went up to 36%. And it, it went a little higher in 2018 to 45%, but we're st- still talking about a murder clearance rate or homicide clearance rate of less than 50%. What are some of your observations? Well, you know, there's a couple... It's not necessarily manpower, except for the one caveat that for the past couple summers, this summer excluded because Superintendent Brown dedicated to not do it originally, but it was forced to reallocate detectives to obviously hot spots and put them in uniform as opposed to being out and handling the case assignments that they have. Um, But they used to be detailed down to the lakefront, Michigan Avenue, Summer Mobile, whatever the case may be, just like every other unit across the city for 90 days. Now you have detectives who are off their caseloads for 90 days. When you're trying to pick that up from scratch, that's hard enough. Um, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't done this summer, thankfully. However, because of the riots, the looting, and everything else, you know, just this last weekend yet again, there were hundreds of detectives that were either on standby or in uniform along Michigan Avenue not handling their caseloads because they were protecting the businesses along Mag Mile, which, again, if the mayor would swallow her pride a little bit and entertain the thought and ideas about bringing the National Guard in to give us relief, it's like she's afraid to admit defeat, but it's not admitting defeat. It's getting our men and women the rest they need and allowing the detectives to go back to the job that they were assigned to be doing. But it goes even a little bit bigger than that. You know, obviously, there is a distrust in neighborhoods, rightly or wrongly so. We could have that debate all day long, all week long. But when the gangs, like the Gangster Disciples, are the biggest employer in the city of Chicago, and they are in an environment where there is very little repercussions or consequences for their bad behavior more than ever has been before, well, I mean, they're walking up to pancake restaurants in the middle of the morning and executing people. They're on Oak Street in Michigan executing people in broad daylight. Who wants to step up and say, I know who did that shooting? I get why people are squeamish and afraid to do it. But it has to start with, obviously, law and order being the call of the day. And then you can repair those bonds in the neighborhoods to get people to cooperate. It's sad that it takes a 9-year-old or an 8-year-old to get killed before the community will step forward and finally say, I know who did it, as if the other lives don't really matter. And you're talking about Janari, correct, from Cabrini Green? Correct. Right. And when you say um, the reallocation, I'm interested to know the funding. What is the numbers? Because when I look at the numbers, 8% of the population is the detectives 
And, you know, I've read some articles that talk about, and I, I personally know, the struggles that, you know, the resources that they may have that aren't really at their disposal in the, in the work environment, whether it's a work cell or a desk or just the manpower that's needed. So what would it take to increase the population funding-wise? What would those numbers look like, John? <laughs> a couple zeros, that's for sure. I mean, equipment alone, you know, some of the dynamics in these areas literally have the detectives standing waiting for a computer to be open to use a computer. Um, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever that the resources are not allocated. But again, that goes contrary to the consent decree. It goes contrary to getting the job done effectively and defunding and all of that narrative, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever when you're talking about wanting to solve crime. It takes money to solve crime. That's just the simple fact. Unless people are going to start turning themselves in, which I don't see happening. I mean, when you talk about numbers, I'm sorry, Kim, when you talk about numbers, billions have been allocated to CPD. We can't dispute that. But yet and still, uh, when we talk about that, if there was a reallocation again, you said a couple of zeros, what would it take um, so that there wouldn't be a long line and there would be resources available and we would increase the number of detectives? Because just like there's shootings on Oak Street and Western Avenue, there's shootings in broad daylight in, the, the, in Inglewood and Roseland and, and, have been you know, and have been for many, many decades. So, you know, I don't want to startle us now that we're, you know, it's spreading because that's what tends to happen because we can't contain it. So what would it take? What are the numbers? I wasn't wasn't discounting the the decades of consistent violence in certain neighborhoods. I was just making the point now that the brazenness has gotten so bold now that they're going anywhere. They don't feel threatened or afraid of any consequences. And it's just becoming an epidemic problem that is not being addressed. But, but, but um, here's the thing, John, John, just re- because because you've said that. And so the, the issue is that what we're trying to tell you and you agree that it's happened for decades in black neighborhoods. But now you're saying it's brazen because it's happening elsewhere, impacting non-black people in other neighborhoods and that that's the that's the issue that i'm taking issue i'm not going to speak on behalf of cleo no i'm saying the same thing so so what what we're trying to say is because i'm i think you're on the right track in one way in which you're saying it doesn't make sense to have detectives who are trained to catch people um you know we we don't like to see our resources in that way in a city where only eight point Four percent of the department is detectives, and those are the people who we are trusting to be trained to actually catch criminals. We don't like to see them deployed to protect downtown and Oak Street. We have a real issue with that. So she's trying to find out, you know, you say more zeros, but what what is the actual number? Have you all done that, or is this something that you need to do to find out what it would mean to really staff our detectives uh, make sure they have cell phones because we found out that they don't even have cell phones they don't have computers there are certain things that they do not have their own phone lines which is ridiculous or they're pulled off of cases that they've been working it's not like law and order where uh, uh, the the two main characters follow a case from the beginning to the end some detectives have to hand it over because, <laughs> because there's just not enough manpower so what does that number look like I'm not even going to pretend to be a budget expert to know what that number looks like. But the okay. bigger picture is quite simple. You could have 30% of this department be detectives until people are going to come forward and say, I know who did it. You look at you, you cited TV and Law and Order. Very rarely do those TV shows, and I, I, 
manipulated to talk about TV shows, but they're getting leads. People are telling them clues that they get to follow. If nobody is talking when a homicide occurs, you have no leads to work with. Okay, and, I, and I, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that New York also has people who don't talk. LAPD also has people who don't talk. So it can't all be about who is speaking about who, you know, criminals are criminals, right? And people protect criminals if they're related to them. So what I'm saying is why is NYPD's clearance rate 85% for the same year that Chicago's clearance rate is 36%? See, the thing is, is that it all starts with an arrest. It starts with an arrest and I'm trying to figure out, besides just saying it's the community members, that's easy. That's the easy way to say that. But I'm sure NYPD has issues with, with uh, people coming forward as well. Well, you're making that assumption. But you also don't, you know, the simple dynamic is New York has two and a half times the population Chicago does, but we have twice the murders they do. So it is a much more prevalent violent society. But you have, you Chicago agree that, that you have else. more murders. You agree that you have more murders when people feel like there is not going to be any consequence. And I am challenging you when I say that when people feel like there are no consequences because they're never arrested. And, and it's not all about who is going to come and say, my son did this. If we wait for that, as you said earlier, that's not going to happen. And we want to talk a little bit more about these numbers because even that's a racially mixed bag about the homicide cases that are closed. Black people are losing out all around. This is Kimberly Agoen and Cleopatra Draper. We are talking with FOP President, Lodge President, Lodge Number 7 President, John Catanzara. Uh, there was uh, a very extensive report about the clearance rate of homicides here in the city of Chicago, and there were lots of recommendations, you know, made talking about cross-training detectives, talking about some of what we, we were just mentioning, giving more resources, more equipment, just really important things like equipment to detectives. Also, the training, just the sheer training of detectives on how to solve cases, that was lacking um, so that, you know, detectives actually understand that this is how you go about doing the work of a, of a detective. But one of the number one things is that there just are not enough detectives, especially given what's going on in the city of Chicago. Um, John, when you were looking at this report, were you able to also make recommendations, number one, to go into this report, or was this just a report that was done externally? Well, that was a report that was done externally. It was a report that was done prior to me taking office. Yeah. And I will take exception to the training part. It, it okay. gives the impression that, you know, detectives are given a detective badge and basically thrown in a car and said, here's your caseload. They do go through training. As soon as they're promoted, they're in the academy for each other um, to get trained properly on whether they're doing violent crime or property crime. But, you know, one of the things that COVID did was cut short that training this time because you had detectives that were in the academy along with sergeants and lieutenants getting promoted that only had a couple of weeks of training before they shut down the academy because of COVID. And mm-hmm. they were basically early promoted, sent out on the street and told they were going to learn on the fly. Um, but that is the exception to the rule. That was only a one off thing. Everybody else receives the full training. So to say that training is an issue, I take very big exception with that. We have some of the finest detectives anywhere, but this still goes back the simple dynamic of people need to give information. Now, it's it, it all one big 
pot of stew, realistically. You know, the average beat officer, if we start improving our community relations with the average beat officer interactions and have trust, they will get the information that can be passed on to detectives. People will learn to trust the police a little bit more and cooperate because the average cop knows that most of the citizens in these most violent neighborhoods want to be able to leave their house, and they can't. They're almost prisoners with their kids in their own living quarters, and it's absolutely disgusting. It needs to change, and the only way it's going to change is by them feeling secure enough to come forward and safe. So, That's true, and I and I will I will say that people definitely want to be safe. They definitely want to feel safe in their communities. But for every example that you're giving about people not telling the police, you know, this is the person who did it. By God, you know that Perry Mason moment. I know who did it. There are examples of, for example, uh, Minister Reverend Ira Acri, whose niece. Uh, He's a very prominent minister in our community. His niece, Yasmin, went missing from her home um, many years ago now, over 12 years ago. And the family tried to talk to the police and tried to tell them what was going on. And I know you're saying that they're all trained very well, and I get that, except for COVID this year. But this is 2008, and the police admit that they botched it. And we have many cases of that in, in which they didn't understand how to collect evidence for, you know, fingerprints and lost evidence. And this, this young woman is still missing. Her mother has died in the interim because of the stress and worrying. So in this report, it said that to go back to the idea of training, it said the detectives received limited training on conducting death investigations. And there are few opportunities for advanced training upon assignment as a homicide detective. So they're suggesting that there are more resources. I mean, isn't that something that you would, you would advocate for more resources because things change over the years, John, you know, there, there are advancements. So is that a bad thing to say that they need more training? Oh, not at all. And and I just wanted to clarify that it wasn't the basic training. It was the continual training. It's no different than the average beat officer. You get trained in the academy, and the rest of your training for 25 years I've had on this job were a computer lesson or a little blurb, a a 15-minute speech at roll call, and people considered you trained in a topic, which is absolutely true, which is why the consent decree highlighted the need for better training across the range. So no one's going to dispute that at all. And, you know, the fingerprint collection, that's not even done by the detective. That's done by forensic services. That's a whole other issue where they do not get continuing up-to-date certifications and education and the latest and greatest technique. It's just you're basically trained day one, and you're good to go for the rest of your career. It's mm. such a backwards way of doing That's not good. <laughs> that is not good. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, we want to thank you so much for joining us to have this discussion because, I mean, this is something that has impacted our community for many decades. And and in so many cases, um, I don't think we receive the same policing as other people, but this is going to be a continuing conversation, John. We want to thank you, as always, for coming on with us. And we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 773-591-1690. What would you do to get the homicide clearance rates up because right now when a victim is african-american only 21 percent of cases are closed Give you, know us a you, call, you know how you get the homicide you know how you get the clearance rate up you do you want to hold on with us through the break because you're more than welcome okay, to john 10 seconds the easiest way to get the homicide clearance rate da- up is by getting mm-hmm. the homicide rate down keeping offenders sure. in prison they're repeat people with gun violations they need to stay in prison and the lower the homicide rate the higher the success rate 
Okay. And and I want to thank you for that, John. And I, and what I would say to that is most of the people who are committing the crimes are never even put in prison, never arrested. So let's get some of the arrests up.